is here. It's the new year. We talked about last week some of the expectations that we have coming into a new year, uh, but the reality is two of the things that we're facing. Life is tough. The world is a harsh place. Uh, we're, we're stuck in the groaning that the rest of the world is stuck in right now as we're trying to just live our lives and learn what it means to be for Jesus. But he, here's what I want to ask you. In 2024, how many of you would like to have a blessed life? Most of you. Some of you just refuse to raise your hands. It doesn't matter what I ask. It's like, hey, who wants $100,000 on the way out this morning? It's like, I'm not raising my hand. <laughs> Fine. Don't get it. I don't care. Blessed life. And that's really what I want to focus on in the beginning of this, this year, the, the next several weeks, is looking at the blessed life and what that really means and unpacking that for us as a church. Because there are two different ways to look at God's blessing, and I think we've spent more of our time looking at it in this one way. Here's the first one. God just blesses people right? There are some people you see and it just seems like they are blessed, right? They've always got enough money. Their car starts on the first try. They, they go into their cupboards to get Tupperware and the lids match. It's just there. <laughs> Nobody knows how. They, it's amazing. The Lord is blessing them in ways that just don't even seem possible. And you look at them and you're like, wow, they are just blessed. And then on the flip side of that is that same feeling like, well, why doesn't God bless me like that? I don't feel as blessed as that. Why is that happening for them? When we look at blessing as just something that God's giving away, there's a tendency to look at it, well, like there's those who get it and there's those who don't. I'm either in the have or the have not category. Then there's another part of this that I want to look at here, and this is how the Bible describes the way to God's blessing for our lives, and it's in James chapter 1, verse 12, and I want to read this with you. It says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, which means later, right? Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So he lines this out right here, okay? And, and the book of James is so awesome because it is written directly to um, the Jewish nation, which has kind of been scattered in the early first century. And, and he's trying to speak to them. Here's how you've got to live in this world that is not easy to live in. You've got to understand this. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Some of the translations might say trial and temptation. We talked about this last week, right? Life's tough. It's not always easy. There is trial that comes into our lives. There's testing that comes into our lives. Again, totally other sermon. Does God cause trial and temptation or does just life trying and testing? We'll have to talk about that another day. But life is difficult. But in the midst of that, the promise of blessing comes from this. He says it's for those who patiently endure who keep going, who don't give up, who don't give in, who don't settle, who keep pushing forward, who keep taking on new challenges to say, I am going to live my life to the glory of God. He says, those are the people that get blessed. And I want to present this as an idea to you. Blessing is something that you can begin to work toward in your life. And I want to show this to you because we read this in the book of Hebrews, if you want to go there with me. Um, we're going to be going to Hebrews chapter 10. But this is the question that kind of underlies what we're going to look at the next couple weeks here. How do I get God's invite God's blessing into my life? How do I invite it, right? Because we are all like, I want to be blessed. How do I invite that into my life? Because if, if, if I'm in the place where it's like, well, God just gives it away and either I get it or I don't get it, I think there's a deeper biblical concept here than either you get it or you don't get it. There is a way in which we invite God to move in us, to bless us. And I want to look at that today. 
So Hebrews 10, if you don't, would like to, one of our pew Bibles, that's page 1015, or if you can follow on the screens, whatever works for you. But here's what it says. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now. Say, especially now. Especially now now that the day of his return is drawing near. So let's unpack a couple of thoughts here. Let's start here. How many of you look around the world and you think to yourself, I think we're getting close to the return of Jesus? Right? Don't you kind of see that in the world around you? And, and, and scripturally, we can see things. You go to Matthew 24, Jesus speaks to a lot of the things that are going to happen in what we call the end times. And there's all these things that we read about. But Jesus says of those things, that is not the end, that is the beginning of the end, okay? And he speaks to that directly. But, but let's fast forward here to the book of Hebrews now. He's saying, especially now that the return of Jesus is drawing near, we need to focus on a couple of things. And so what does he say we need to focus on? Let's look at this. Let's motivate each other toward acts of love and good works. Now, let me talk about works for a second, because that word works is not, we're not a fan of that word, and, and rightfully so. You are not saved by works. All right? We're not talking about you being saved or earning salvation. Paul makes very clear that we don't become saved because of the good works that we do. Otherwise, we'd be able to boast about how good each of us is. We are saved by grace. But then he still says you still need to be pushed on to the, towards acts of love and good works because these are worship for the Lord. This is what we give back to God because of what he's already given to us. And he says, you've got to be motivated to do those things. How many of you realize you've got to be motivated to do good? Right? It doesn't come easy to just be like, I'm just going to do good. I'm just going to do the right thing, a, a nice thing, a friendly thing. No, we have to be motivated. And that's what he says. And here's how he says it happens. Do not neglect meeting together. Don't give up on meeting together because that is the place in which you come into life through community. That's where it comes to. You get, you get life poured into you. You get these challenges from the people of God pushed into you by choosing to be in community with other people who believe in Jesus, who are walking out their relationship with Jesus. And wouldn't you know it, it almost seems like coincidence, but it's not. Today, we're kicking off life groups. Why? Because this is a necessary and crucial vision for us as a people. God created us for community. We're going to talk more about that shortly. But there is a life that comes to us through being in community with other believers. When we have someone who is with us in the things that we're doing, sometimes you hear the phrase, doing life together, living life together, going through life together. There is something very powerful that comes in, and Hebrews gives us the first glimpse of this. The ability to push each other on, to motivate each other on, all right? Now, here's the thing. None of us like to be pushed. Does anybody like to be pushed to do anything, right? What happens when somebody's being pushy? What's our response? Uh, Don't push me, right? But when we're talking about the things of God, we need to be pushed, and there's no better place. Let me give you some great advice here. No better place to get pushed in your relationship with Jesus than to allow your spouse to tell you everything that's wrong with you. Right? If you're married, just go there. Like, you know what, honey, could you just tell me everything that I need to fix in my, you know, my thinking, my life? What, what would you like me to do? I guarantee you, if you are married, your spouse will help you with that. <laughs> um, 
Sometimes without asking, uh, really, that, that can come up. Uh, you know, we laugh about that as, as this idea that it's so funny, right? But here's the reality, and I love this. We did a marriage class here last year, my wife and I, uh, on a book called Sacred Marriage. And that was really what the author talked about. Is he said, God has given husbands and wives this relationship, and this is one of the benefits of it is we have somebody very close to us who sees the deepest and darkest parts of our lives, the good, the bad, the ugly, and is there to not fight against us, but to push us on towards becoming the people God's called us to be. So yeah, it's a reality. Is it fun? Eh, No. No, it's not. But community brings that force and pushes us towards acts of love, thinking about others outside of self, towards good works and the things that God has for us. And here's here's what we can read then in Ecclesiastes. Why does this matter? Why does community matter? I want to dig deeper in this. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, this is the Old Testament, page 553 in our Bibles if you don't know where to turn. But here's what it says. You've probably heard this before. I know I read this at weddings a lot. Uh, But it's not just about husbands and wives. It's talking about relationship. Here's what it says. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Here's the reality. Here's the truth. We are better together. We are far better together than we are isolated by ourselves. Right? And and this is what he speaks to. He goes, there are benefits. And, And first he kind of approaches it from almost a worldly perspective. There are benefits to having good community in your life. You fall down, somebody's there to pick you back up. You're dealing with the harsh coldness of life. There's somebody to bring warmth into your life and to remind you that there's still good in the world. Uh, If you're being attacked, you've got somebody who's got your back. He's speaking to all of these things. And then he adds this, but with Christ at the center, all of those things become amplified so much more. Because here's the truth. You can get community from other places other than your church. It didn't used to be that way, right? I mean, the church used to be the epicenter of community for every community. But now you can get it all kinds of places. You, and, and I mean, I, I hear people talk about this. They've got their basketball community and their football community and their soccer community. I mean, it's a lot of it is sports, right? Or maybe you're part of a bowling league or a, I don't know. Everybody's got a league for everything at this point. You throw cornhole. I, I don't know. There's a league for everything. Shoe tying, dental flossing, there's leagues. Join one and you'll have instant community, right? And, and I hear people who will talk about these communities. Oh, my baseball community feels closer to me than my family. You know, my, my, my hockey community, my volleyball community, I feel closer to them than I do with my, even my own family. Well, no duh, you spend more time with them than you do with your own family. I guess that would happen, right? But then God says this, you can have those things, somebody to pick you up, somebody to keep you warm, somebody to protect you, But then when you put God at the center of community, you create something that is unbreakable. You create something unshakable. Because here's the truth. As close as you may feel with your uh, dental flossing community, there could be something that comes between you, right? As close as you may feel with your knitting community, something can come between you. But he says, here's the reality. With Christ at the center, it changes everything. Listen, Here's the, the harsh problem that happens with a lot of us. We wait 
until we are down and out to seek community. Right? We wait till things are, are messed up, broken, we feel alone, we feel desperate, we feel like we don't have anybody to turn to, and suddenly a light dawns in our, in our brains that we're like, man, I just need people. Who can I turn to? Who can I rely on? Who can I trust? And at that moment, then in desperation, we start to look for where can I get community? And listen, in the church, we see this a lot. People coming in, I'm desperate for community right now because I'm hurting, I'm broken, I'm lost but there is another way to approach community through saying, I'm going to make the decision to seek God and to seek good community this year. Let me ask you this question, 2024, right? What if you got to January 31st of this year and you're looking at 2025? I know we just started, don't, don't panic. But you're thinking to yourself on that night, how could God possibly make next year any better than this one has been? Imagine thinking that to yourself when you get to the end of this year. How could God possibly make next year any better than this one has been? And that may seem impossible to even dream about in some cases. It's so far away from us that it's like, I don't feel like God can make the next year better. We're just surviving. We're just hanging on. We're just hanging in. But one of the crucial steps that we can take in this is to get into good community. And church, this is why life groups is so important. It's not something that we do just for the sake of having ministries or the sake of getting out for another night and doing another thing. Here's the truth. I don't care how strong you are. You will reach a point in time where you experience a fall that's too hard for you. You will experience something physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, or some combination of all of them that brings you to your knees and it is too much for you. In that moment, who do you have to turn to? Who can help you? Who can raise you up? And this is exactly what he's speaking to. Hey, if you fall down, somebody to help you. you know, my wife and I, we experienced this a few years ago. We were on a hike, okay? And it was cold. My family, we like to hike a lot. We're hiking through the woods and it's cold. My wife, because she was cold, took her arms out of her sleeves and put them into her shirt and was hugging herself. Yeah, not the smartest thing to do when hiking. And so she's walking like this, hugging herself to stay warm, right? Because how does one stay warm? And she trips and falls. And you know that reflex you have when you start to fall where you go, ah, and you stop yourself? She went, ah, and just <laughs> down. Sack of potatoes, down. And she's rolling on the ground going, I'm stuck, <laughs> I'm stuck. help me. And I'm coming over, I'm like, ha, ha, what an idiot. <laughs> She fell and she needed help. She's like, I don't have this. Literally, she could not get herself back up. Her arms were trapped. It was the weirdest thing. She could not get up. She'd have been still laying there to this day if I hadn't been there. <laughs> we all have moments like that. We all have them. Listen, there are a lot of moments I'm strong enough for. I can handle. I can pick myself back up. I can dust myself off. I can keep going again. I promise you, if you haven't experienced yet, there will be a moment in time that hits you so hard, drops you so low, that you can only think to yourself, I, I can't do this on my own. And it's sad that that's the moment that we wait to to start looking for community, that we start looking for people to gather around us, that if we had them there before those things, we'd easily be able to just say, well, somebody give me a hand. And that's the value of life through community, because we're better together. And here's the truth. 
You were made this way. I want to show this to you all the way back in the beginning of your Bibles. You were made this way because God made you in his image. God, who is communal, he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit existing at the same time, three persons in one. That's a whole other sermon I can't get into right now. But God is of himself communal and working in perfect community and harmony together with himself. And even in creation, Genesis chapter 1, we see that God speak to this Trinitarian idea where he says, let us create man in our image. Okay? And it says that God created man. But then something happens after the creation of man that we see in Genesis 2. Here's what it says in verses 18 to 23. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. The man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. Now, I know we read this and we're like, well, that's all good and dandy for people who are married and who need a spouse. And, and maybe the only answer to feeling wholeness and completeness is to have a wife or to have a husband. That is not what it is speaking to here. Let's not miss this, okay? God looks on Adam and he sees him off by himself alone. And he says, that man needs community. That man needs somebody who's going to have his back, who's going to complete him. Because on his own, he feels lost and alone and like he's got nothing. And yes, as we go into Hebrew, uh, you know, the original Hebrew is the ish and the isha. It was this idea of man, ish, woman, isha, this full completion that takes place that God created perfection. That's a, there's a lot that can be read into that. But here's the truth of the matter. God said, I looked and this guy had everything in the world except community. He had all kinds of things that could preoccupy his mind and things that he could spend time with and things that he could spend doing, but he didn't have community and he was lost and alone and I had to create something for him because here's the truth, he's just like me. He needs community. He needs it. You were created that way. We were made for community. We were made to need it. We were made to need each other. We look at all through scripture, this gets reinforced. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so does the faith of one man sharpen another. 1 Corinthians 12, you read that it says, we are all members of one body, the body of Christ. We are all parts of that same body. But for whatever reason, so many of us have chosen the walk of the Lone Ranger. I'm just going to do it my way. I'm going to do it on my time because here is the greatest truth. And, and I got to be honest, as I look through history, I see no greater weapon of attack against God's people than what Satan has come up with for this generation. You don't have time. You don't have time for community. You don't have time to invest in community. You don't have time to spend with community. You don't have time to carve out for other people. And you're convinced that they don't have time for you. Because none of us have time. 
we got places to go, people to see, things to do, mouths to feed, errands to run, things to take care of, and we just are, well, if there's room, if there's room, if there's room, and there's never any room. Church, God made you for community. A need inside of you to be connected with people of like precious faith who would encourage you, who would lift you up, who would strengthen you, who would push you to become a better man or woman of God, to live for his glory. And unfortunately, we're waiting until we're down and out and broken and lost to even think about it. Why? Because that's the hour of desperation. And you know, I know we live in a time period where statistically 33% of people in the church do not believe in a, an actual hell or Satan. Okay, maybe you're part of that group this morning. I don't believe that hell is real. I don't believe that Satan is real. That's something just the church made up. I've heard it before. Here's the truth about the enemy of God's people. He is looking to bring destruction to God's people. And he doesn't fight fair. You know, we, we tell ourselves, you don't kick somebody when they're down. Believe me when I tell you, Satan does not fight by that rule. The lower you go, the harder he hits. The worse you feel, the more he doubles the attacks. He is not a fair adversary. But we have a great advocate through the Holy Spirit, through community with other people in precious faith of Jesus. And I want for you in 2024 to get to the end of the year and say without question, I've got a brother who's got my back. I've got a sister who's got my back. I've got a community of people around me that no matter what happened, I could turn to. I've got a community of people who are praying for me, who believe in me, who if I was falling apart in pieces, I could go to and they wouldn't judge me. They'd just pick me up and wrap their arms around me and take care of me. I want that for you. Church, that's why we do life groups. It's not just to get you out of the house one more night of the week. It's not. I know you don't have time. I know you can't go to nine different uh, life groups. But you need to choose community because there's blessing in it. This blessed life that God has laid out for us is not something that's going to sneak up behind you sometime around March, knock you over the head and say, here I am, the blessings of God. You've got to make the decision. I'm choosing to step into, to invite the blessings of God in my life, to make room for the blessings of God. And one of the greatest blessings he wants to give to you in 2024 is community. And I know as I'm saying all of this right now, I know across this room, the Holy Spirit right now is just beginning to say, yep, that's you. That's what you're missing. That's what you're needing. That's what you're lacking. You need to go get this. You need to choose this. But somehow, somehow, the 17 feet between that door and that door will walk right out and say, well, maybe next time. Maybe next time. Church, I want to encourage you. Make a left turn. Stop at the table and just put your name down. Right? We're not asking for your social security number or any of those things, a credit card number. Just put your name down and a phone number so a leader can contact you and just say, Hey, we have community. We have time for you. We've made time for you. We want to invite you to come. Come be a part of community. We want to welcome you. 
don't want to judge you, judge your past, your brokenness. Just come. Because God made us all for community. And this is what we get when we choose to step into that decision this year. In a moment, we're going to take communion together. In fact, if I could get our uh, board members to come into place, we're going to get ready to serve. We're going to take communion together. And communion is covenantal, right? This is our reminder between us and God of the many things that God has done for us. And as we celebrate communion, we remind ourselves, because God doesn't need to be reminded, but we remind ourselves of all the many blessings that God has given to us. All the things that he has in store. And here's what I want for you this year. Last week we talked about how so often we're settling for a sample of what God wants to give us. Church, I want to lead you, especially in the first part of this year, to take on the full blessing of what God has in store for you. And this is one of those steps. Get into community. You're not alone. It's not just you. Yes, you may feel like there's no time for you or you don't have time or nobody wants you to be there. Anything and everything Satan could use to convince you to not do it, it's for you. But it takes one step. And as we celebrate communion, I want to ask you to do it with this thought in mind. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Imagine getting to the end of this year and thinking to yourself on December 31st of 2024, I don't know how God could make next year a better year than this one has been. That's what, I want to, that's what I want to set us up for in this first part of the year as we're taking our first steps into this year. I want us to get to the end of the year with that in mind. I don't know how God could have made this a better year. I'm going to run after it. I'm going to choose it. I'm going to seek it. It's all up to you, God. I give it into your hands. So I want to ask you to stand, and we're going to serve you this morning and then wait to take communion together. But if you could come down these two side aisles here, and once you've been served, you can go up the middle or up the outside. But let's come and receive communion together and make this a moment of covenant between us and the Lord.
treasure it is to know that God truly is the giver of every blessing. But God uses covenant in our lives to direct us towards the deepest concepts of relationship with him. And covenant is always if you, then I. And God has said, if you in 2024, then I. If you'll do these things, if you'll make these decisions, if you'll prioritize these things, I have so many blessings in store for you. Church, let's not wait for it this year. Let's run after God with all that we've got because he wants to bless you. And he's given us his son, Jesus, as the down payment of that blessing. This is what he says in 1 Corinthians 11. I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself, that on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Paul makes very clear to the Corinthian church, this is not ceremony, this is covenantal. It's us and God in relationship, but it's got to be done with the right heart, the right mindset. And he says, you need to take time to make sure that that's where you're at. So I want to challenge you to take a moment.
just between you and the Lord. And to say, God, I want to be in the right place spiritually, emotionally, mentally, whatever it is before I do this. I want it to be more than just ceremony. I want it to be sacred between you and me. Can you just take a moment between you and the Lord? God, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. This is truly a blessing that you just gave away for free. This gift of salvation through the body and the blood of Jesus. And we thank you that you willingly allowed your body to be broken so that we could be whole and restored. And Lord, I pray that as we are going into this year, that you will move mightily in our lives. And I pray, God, even on this first Sunday in 2024, that as we take this bread, we would begin to receive the healing that you have in store for us throughout this year that comes between now and a million other decisions to follow you and to let you have your way in our lives. We covenant with you, Lord, for that kind of year. In Jesus' name, let's take the bread together. God, we thank you for the blood of your son, Jesus. This blood has washed us, cleansed all of our brokenness, our sin, our shame, has healed the brokenness between us and God, has given us the gift of salvation. It's through this blood that we are cleansed and made whole. And we glorify you, Lord. As we drink it, We do so stepping into covenant with you that this is a year of the Lord and a year of his blessing as we chase after you with all that we are. In Jesus' name, let's take the cup together. God, we thank you for this awesome relationship that we have with you. Your faithfulness, God, that surrounds us and protects us on every side. And God, I pray over this entire body, those watching us online, that we would get to the end of this year having chosen to put you first and best and sitting back and just saying, I can't imagine God blessing next year any more than he has this one. Lord, we choose you. We choose covenant with you. We choose the things of God and invite the blessing of God as we walk into this year in righteousness. God, I pray that on the way out today, that you would be with those who are in that limbo state of, do I need community? Do I have time for it? Can I make room for it? Lord, just move in them even now, God, to just take that first step and to get into connection and into community this year. Lord, I pray that you'll do great things because we'll become stronger and the enemy will be weakened by all that you do through us in community. We love you, Lord. We give you this year in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you. Our prayer team will be up here at the front to pray with you if you need prayer this morning. Get connected into community this week and choose relationship with Jesus.